The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of The Command Zone. We're back after a week-long break. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. We're back! We're back! I mean, how's it? (laughs) It's Josh Lee Kwai. Hooray! Uh, The show has returned. We took a week break uh, because we were tired. And we caught some flack for it. (laughs) I know, because we were like, says they're going to start a new thing. Somebody made a meme. immediately. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What the hell? I guess memes are easy to make on the internet. You just put in the text and boom, you got a meme. Actually, uh, yeah, come to think of it, I don't remember who made the meme. But it was the, pretty funny. The photo had hilarious. nothing to do with the words, though. Yeah, I it was just it was a guy be... with a backwards hat. Yeah, I thought it's it scumbag Steve, I guess. Oh, was that who it was? Yeah, what's well, the hat I put on? If you guys look at the uh, Colagon thumbnail, Camel, oh, yeah. Camel, yeah. Uh, so we are back. We have two episodes this week. We're back on track. Um, a couple of things that we want to talk about before we start the show. The first, of course, is always GP Vegas because it's so close. May 28th to the 21st. It's almost here. So excited! I'm really excited. We're getting in on Wednesday. We're going to have a tentative gathering on Thursday. And it looks like Thursday is going to work for most everyone. Yep. Uh, a few people seem like they're coming in on Friday. But for the most part, I think almost everyone is flying in Thursday day, which is really sweet. Yeah, or they're flying in even earlier than that. Yeah, so exactly. they're available Thursday. Yeah, so Thursday night, the 28th, will be the that'll be the date of the gathering for sure. Now, mm-hmm. the exact time and place... We, we don't have that uh, nailed down yet, but we will in the next week or so. Yeah. We're going to let everybody know. Um, subscribe to us or follow us on Twitter and, uh, and keep listening to the show because we'll announce it in both those places. And if you are planning on making it, just give us a heads up. Uh, Email is the best way to do that just because we're trying to keep that headcount number uh, as accurate as we can. And right we now, need to know how many bags of Cheetos to buy is what I'm saying. <laughs> also, we've got prizes yeah. and, and stuff to give out at that, and we want to make sure that we have enough product if we want to like draft conspiracy with everybody and that kind of stuff. So just knowing the head count or our general idea is going to help us out. So if you think you're going to yeah. make it, um, then just shoot us an email, commandcast at rocketjump.com. Yeah, we'll probably make a Facebook invite as well, uh, just so it has all the information and stuff on it. And of course, if you guys have friends and they're in town and want to play some EDH or draft or any of these number of things, just hang out. Come and hang out, yeah. Um, We're going to try and get a large enough space to, to, I guess, host everyone. So that's why we also need a good head count, because we don't want to get like you know something way too small for too many people, obviously. And the Brainstorm Brewery guys are going to be there. Um, Our pals from the Five Commanders podcast will be there a few mm-hmm. other uh hopefully personalities from the magic um content creation community uh, we're hoping to bring those people in so yeah it's gonna be super fun and the people that can't make thursday you know we've we've had a quite a number of people say oh we can't make thursday but we're gonna be there friday saturday you know can we find you can we play some games at edh and absolutely yeah. so we're gonna be in town through Sunday. We want to meet folks. We're gonna be at the convention center. You know, we're gonna play in the main event. I'm actually hoping personally to drop out early so that I can interact with people more and like, and like do play games of EDH, play yeah, side drafts, play side know, events, and do and all yeah. sorts of fun stuff. Yeah. So you will be able to find us um, in town and in the convention center at the event. Yeah. So don't worry. You know, if you can't make it Thursday, then 
don't worry, we're still going to be around, and yeah. we're still going to get Especially as we come in. into Sunday as well, because that's when everything's going to be winding down, and I think sure. less people are going to be there, so it's going to be a lot easier to get a game together and just yeah. have fun to play. And there's Friday night, there's Saturday night, you oh, know, yeah. it's Vegas, we're not going to really sleep much. <laughs> So that's why I want to drop out of the main event too, because the <laughs> idea of finishing around and then sitting there for like 40 minutes before the next one starts is so upsetting to me because I could be doing a million other things in Las Vegas. I could be drafting Modern Masters again or just going to gamble or just rolling dice. Yeah. And not to determine who goes first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, um, oh, one. Uh, speaking of content creators, actually, we wanted to spend a little bit at the top of this episode to give a shout out to a great friend of the podcast. He's guested on the show before, and that would be the one and only Wedge from the Mana Source. We yeah. love you, Wedge. We love you, Wedge. And you know, I was pointing people, or we were pointing people, in the direction of Wedge's content this week because we didn't have any episodes, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I don't know if people know, but they've started to do uh, Commander EDH deck techs. Oh, yeah. So if you go to YouTube and you go to the Mana Source, you'll find Wedge, and they do EDH content. You know, we've had a lot of people ask us about Tiny Leaders content. Oh, yeah. And Wedge has got you covered. Yeah. Wedge has Tiny Leaders deck techs, um, and, and it's just a, a format that... You know, I know a lot of people have asked us to do stuff, and we just mm-hmm. aren't that familiar with it. We haven't really played it at all, so we haven't been able to delve into that. But Wedge, yeah. Wedge has, and also he does cool stuff like lore videos. Yeah, there's also awesome videos just on altars of cards as well. Yeah, oh yeah, some of those are really cool. Yeah, and My, not to mention Wedge puts out videos like we put out two podcasts a week, and we're like dusting our shoulders off like we're a hot <laughs> business. Wedge is like putting out videos daily, and he's been on top of the Modern Masters spoilers and stuff, releasing videos as soon as they're coming out, and that yeah. is super commendable because that's a ton of work yeah so if you have not checked out the mana source on youtube definitely definitely go check it out they have awesome content and yeah. uh, and, and they're quick videos you know there's stuff you can watch and usually they're less than 10 minutes mm-hmm. so you know you can just watch a snippet here a snippet there i'm not saying watch it at work watch it at work i'm not <laughs> saying to you know to be inefficient while you're at work you know you should be doing your job watch it at work watch it at work yeah i mean it's that's great what i do just kidding that's what i do I, I could literally talk about all the different things that Wedge's channel does, which is great because, like, if you want to find out what happened in Standard, yeah, then this exactly. is the place to go. In Modern, in EDH, I use them to keep up on what's going on in Standard because it's yeah. just a lot faster than reading everything on Channel Fireball. You know, I'll read the snippet after the GPs or the Pro Tours, mm-hmm. and then I'll just watch a Wedge video, and I'm, I'm good. You yeah. Know? Yeah, in, absolutely. In a grand total of 20 minutes, I've caught up on you know what I need to know. Yeah. So go ahead and check out youtube.com slash themanosaurus. Wedge is an awesome guy. He was on the show once if you want to hear about his awesome deck tech. Oh, yeah. Well, no, <laughs> we didn't do a deck tech, but we did the overperformers yeah. episode. And he did talk about his deck. He did talk deck, about his deck. Which yeah, sounds nuts, and uh, I hope we get to play against it. I, I guess, you know, maybe at PAX or something. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, and also, you know, say the command cast sent you, and uh, we'll be commenting on those videos as well. So hope to see you guys on another uh, platform soon. Cool. And speaking of spoiler videos. Oh, yeah. We've Modern had a lot, of, Masters. a lot of cool spoilers lately. Woo, boy. I'm so excited. Oh, um, man. There this are a couple things I'm awesome. not excited about, specifically Emrakul. I am excited because Emrakul is coming back and I've never had one, but we can't play it in EDH. Yeah, Emrakul can just look cool and shiny in your binder. Yeah. Yeah, we can't play him in our format. He's banned, but... Kozilek is Kozilek and Ulamog are Ulamog, not. Ulamog, yeah. Artisan of Kozilek. You know, the, there's a lot of cards that are really good for EDH in this set. Oh my gosh, yeah. So that's... that's actually the point of today's episode, <laughs> we should mention now. Oh yeah, our main topic. Yeah, is going to be EDH versus Modern, and specifically how to uh, look at different cards in each format. 
and decide what's good and what isn't and how to differentiate. So you don't think like a really good modern card is a good EDH card because that's not always the case. Yeah, you know, I remember building my early EDH decks and I was putting a lot of like staple legacy or modern mm -hmm. or standard cards into it and then, you know, finding out like, wow, that card's like in every deck that has that color is is uses it in a constructed format but in EDH, it's not even really playable, you know? And so that's sort of yeah. a thing that you have to learn as you go. And so we're going to talk about, you know, how to spot those moments when, like, that card's really good in its format, but it's not necessarily great in EDH or vice versa. So Right. Um, but back to Modern Masters. Yeah, let's uh, talk about some of these spoilers. Yeah, this set is looking great. For one, Karn Liberate is getting reprinted. He is one of the best Planeswalkers yep. you can play in because he fits into every color. He's a yep. colorless Planeswalker. His plus four, he's seven mana for a six uh, six loyalty Planeswalker, by the way. His plus four is target player exiles a card from his or her hand, which is aight, but his minus three is exile target permanent, which is so important because it's not non-land. It is just straight permanent. You can get rid of anything on the board and exile it. Mm -hmm. His minus 14, his ultimate is pretty... You only have to plus four him twice to get there, though. Yeah, exactly. And it's pretty bonkers. Restart the game, leaving in exile all non-aura permanent cards exiled with Karn Liberated then put those cards onto the battlefield under your control. So if you exile it from their hand, it counts. If you exile it off the battlefield, Yeah, it often well. you will use Karn to exile the card from your own hand. Yep. And then that, and usually maybe like an extra land or something like that. And mm -hmm. then you will, did I, did I read that right? Yeah. And then you will um, put those back into play yeah. after the dust is settled. Exactly. And you have restarted the game. But now you've got stuff and they don't. Yeah. That's like, that's like phrasing you would think that you would see in like Arabian Nights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Shaharazad. And yeah, stuff. exactly. Shaharazad is exactly what I was thinking of, yeah. which is a, just an annoying card. But Karn's very powerful, and like you said, because he's colorless, he goes into any deck you want him to. Mm -hmm. So that's and his price tag has been really high. Yeah. So it's just nice that they're reprinting him. Um, Hopefully, it'll take it down at least a little bit. Um, I think so. I think the price on him has already dropped a little bit. Yeah, all the prices are starting yeah. to dip down slowly. But if yeah. you guys remember Tarmogoyf, which is a card we'll talk a lot about today, uh, went down a little bit in price and just went right back up. It was after. actually after Modern Masters, like a few months after, it was actually higher than it was previous. Yeah, which is price insane. wise. Yeah. But, but there was also a very limited print run, and Wizards has guaranteed that there's going to be a lot more of Modern Masters 2015 rolling around. Yeah, We don't know the exact number, but it's definitely going to be a lot easier to get your hands on some of these staples, such as Elish Norn. Oh, that's so exciting, Elish Norn. Elish Norn, Grand Cenobite. I thought, and so did Kessler uh, from the Masters of Modern Podcast, they thought that the whole Praetor cycle was going to get reprinted. Is so Elish? Uh, Elish Norn is a Praetor, yeah. No, uh, no, I mean, is Elish Norn officially spoiled? Oh, yeah. She's not on here. Oh, well, maybe not the official... Should we should we talk some beef about the various spoiler sites on the internet and how there are, none of them match up with each other? The and spoilers are kind of a pain. And not even the official Mothership website has the full list. Yeah, this is sort of this is a headache because somebody on MTG Salvation went on some forums and it was somebody that under that username had released mm -hmm. a bunch of spoilers for the first Modern Masters and they had been right. So then they released spoilers for this one. And nobody can confirm whether they were right or not. But then some of the sites like Mythic Spoiler just started running with it. And then <laughs> Wizards started announcing what the real spoilers were. But some then of them matched, some of them didn't. And now some of them were in different um, rarity levels that were off from what the person yeah. had said. And then, so now it's all crazy because you go to one of these sites like Mythic Spoiler and you don't know which of those cards are confirmed or not. Yeah, fortunately, uh, the ones that are confirmed, confirmed have had card art released. 
Um, so Elish Norn was confirmed uh, because there is nice new card art. Or not art, sorry, the uh, little logo. I'm sorry. So uh, she's just not on the um, yeah. uh, wizard site but yet? But a lot, of, yeah. So that's the problem. Big it's surprise. Like, big the wizard surprise. site is not perfect. Yeah. It's funny because if you literally Google the words Modern Masters 2015, you get uh, a couple of websites and then you see Wizards website. But if you Google for Modern Masters 2015 spoiler, then the actual spoiler website on the Wizards site doesn't even come on to the first entire first page of links. It's very tough to find. It's very tough to find. And I wish you could just go to magicthegathering.com or whatever and just have at the top being like Modern Masters 2015 spoilers and just I click think they're right doing there. it on purpose. It's like a game. It's like a treasure hunt. They're like, <laughs> how badly do you want to do you want to know what the spoilers are? <laughs> if it's badly, then you'll keep looking. You'll keep looking and you'll keep spending more time on our website. All right, let's read Elish Norn because yes. uh, she is awesome. Yeah, Elish Norn, five and two white for a seven mana vigilant creature for seven legendary creature Praetor. So she can be your general. Mm. Uh, she says, other creatures you control get plus two, plus two. Pretty good already. And the big whammy, creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus two. Uh. So she's just immediately wipes usually half the board when she lands. And the creatures she doesn't wipe are now like totally anemic, like they yeah. can't do anything. She's hard to take out herself. She's 4-7, so things that are just attacking for toughness or whatever aren't going to really be able to wipe her out easily. When all your dudes are huge now, too. Yeah, exactly. She's completely, she's incredibly strong. Um, There's a reason she costs 7 mana, obviously. Yeah, and she's been very expensive. She's another one of those cards that has mm-hmm. been pretty spendy, so it's great that she's getting a reprint because, you know, honestly, like there's probably... I, I think I have 15 or 16 EDH decks. Oh, wow. And probably eight or nine have white. And I'd probably put her in five or six of those, but I only own two. Yeah. And I'm not going to go out and spend another $100 to fill out the rest of them. So I just have to pick and choose my spots. So yeah, it's nice, to, it's nice to have a chance to get more of her. She's good in token decks. She's just yep. good in general because being able to minus two minus to the whole board means like, if you played this against your tapper deck. Oh, yeah. It's just game done. over. Yeah. Just done. That, you can't that, that even play. Loses. You can't even play a creature onto the board. That's he, the brutal thing about her is that effect stays on the board. The negative two, negative two. Yeah. So it's not like it wipes the board and then you can now play stuff. It's like oh, everything I play that doesn't have at least three toughness just dies. Just dies immediately. So all utility creatures are done. All mana dorks just done. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. She's uh, she's awesome. Yep. Another great card. All is dust. Oh spoiled. yeah. It's at rare too. Uh, it's a seven mana board wipe. Tribal sorcery Eldrazi. It's a colorless board wipe. Each player sacrifices all colored permanents he or she controls. Well, and the great That's thing about insane. this is certain colors... Artifacts stay alive, which yeah, is notable. You, first of all, you can orchestrate it so that it only hits your opponents or it hits them more than you if mm-hmm. you have more artifacts. Artifacts, But also, there's colors that don't have access to a lot of board wipes. Green, yep. black. green, green. Uh, yeah, black has a few. Uh, I mean, black has damnation. I'm talking, yeah. Yeah, I'd say green and red are the two that really yeah. want this effect the most. And it gets rid of enchantments, you know. Oh, right. So most enchantments. That's why Karn's also great for red is because it can kill enchantments and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So it's just one of these things that covers the weaknesses of the color pie, which we've talked about before, is just mm-hmm. something you need. So now if you have a green and red deck, you would have had r- big problems wiping the board. You have Blasphemous Act. And then you've got a bunch of damage-based stuff, and green doesn't really have very much. So yeah. now you can put in all his dust. And again, another card that was pretty expensive because of that fact. Yeah. And so we're just going to be able to get more of them. And this is at rare, so there's going to be a lot more of them yeah. coming in. And to note, it says sacrifice, so indestructible yep. does not oh, get around this. That's another great point. Another However, really Sigarda gets better. <laughs> but like, if they get an Avacyn out, then right. you know, or things like that, and so and people protect their their creatures in 
EDH by making them indestructible. Yeah. So yeah, very strong, mm-hmm. very great. Um, Kiki well, Jiki, my old friend, is back. Infinite Combo City. Infinite Combo City. So yep. is Prime Evil Titan, which is unfortunately Prime also Time bound. doesn't do us any good. He yeah. he goes in the binder with uh, Emrakul. The two yeah. of them can sadly sit there and be like, <laughs> "Don't you wish you could play Commander?" Yeah, I wish I could play I Commander. Could. They won't let me. They won't let me. Uh, I, here, here, one I really like is Cryptic Command. Oh yeah. I actually don't own a single Cryptic Command. Really? Yeah. I've pulled two for Modern Masters you, packs. I feel and how many Kikis lucky. did you pull? You I pulled, pulled like, three Kiki Jikis for Modern Masters pack. It. it is a sign, Josh. I opened a lot of quite a bit of Modern Masters, and I think the best card I pulled was Elspeth. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, awesome. Um, I mean, Elspeth's pretty great too. Yeah, I'm just saying that was uh, yeah. the Cryptic Command. If you guys don't know, it is the granddaddy of counter spells. It's one and three blue, so it's very hard to cast if you're just splashing blue, but it's a modal spell. Choose two, you can counter target spell. Return target permanent to its owner's hand. Tap all creatures your opponents control, or draw a card. So you get two of those four. A lot of times it's counter a spell and draw a card. Yeah. But I've often seen it be counter a spell and tap all of somebody's creatures. You know? Yeah. So it's like, I stop what you're doing. I also make it so you can't attack me. And you, it, you can't block either. Yeah, exactly. It's it's so great. We've talked about versatility before. Mm-hmm. This is one of the strongest cards you can have if you have a deck with a lot of blue. Yeah. Which if if you don't have a deck with a lot of blue, then what are you doing with your life? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, playing red-green and all his <laughs> dust, clearly. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, another card that Josh is you know, super fond of, clearly, Iona, Shield of Emeria. Yeah, this one... Okay, let's talk about this really quick. It's interesting. It, I don't know. I don't understand why. Put this in the front of all angels is what I'm thinking. No, don't. <laughs> what, what, I, I just don't understand. Like, this is clearly not a card that's going to be played in any other format but EDH. It costs right. nine mana. Uh, it's not particularly powerful enough in most constructed formats because there's not a prevalence of monocolored decks there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and the and the monocolored decks there are usually red. Yeah. And she's horrible when it's red because she costs nine mana. So let me read Iona really quick. Iona, Shield of Emeria, six and three white, so nine mana, mana total for a legendary creature angel. She's a 7-7 seven, seven flyer. Pretty good already. Yeah. As Iona, Shield of Emeria, enters the battlefield, choose a color. Your opponents can't cast spells of the chosen color. AKA I win? Well, I mean, in multiplayer, it's not necessarily I win because oh, yeah. it depends on how many players you're playing against and what colors they are. Just but choose it just, blue. <laughs> it just has a very high propensity to just lock one or at least one and sometimes two players completely out of the game. Yeah, especially so that, if they're playing a two-color deck. Yeah, two-color or a monocolor deck is just not playing magic it's worse than blood moon we've talked about this because it actually takes away your ability to do anything about it because yeah you know you need to kill iona now but if you're monocolored and they named your color you can't cast any of the spells that would kill her so what are you supposed to do it's just not the type of effect i feel like it's from old magic it feels like an old magic effect and i'm very fond of old magic but color hosing in general they've sort of gone away from like these really hard not interactive yeah exactly it's like i get to nine mana and it's not even an insurrection, which is at least that ends the game. Now it's like, I play this card, and you just sit there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm like I said in the etiquette episode, I don't think it's bad etiquette to play. It's fine. I'm not like... It can be sometimes the only answer to an abusive general, too, is Iona. Maybe. I think Nevermore is always an answer. Yeah, and it's a, That's a little bit yeah. better, because at least their, their deck... You know, now you can say, well, if you don't have any enchantment removal, that's your fault. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I see what you're saying. I think that 
playing Iona, it's fine. I just don't know why Wizard wants wants to make more Ionas so that more people play it. It feels like the amount of Ionas that are out there right now and being played in EDH, eh, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need more. We don't need any more of those. That's true. I mean, uh, that's that's my personal opinion. It is. A, it's just such a powerful card, clearly. Um, and I can see it being played very rarely in uh, in limited Modern Masters. So, But, I mean, clearly it was a decision that was also made for the draft format, so I'm interested to see. Usually Mythics aren't really yeah. part of the draft format because they just come up so rarely. I do think, though, she will be usable in uh, in limited because we're in a set where they have Ulamog, Kozilek, Emrakul, Artisan is Kozilek. They have mm-hmm. huge mana cost of spells, and they put in... We already know they've got uh, a lot of the creatures from Rise of the Eldrazi that come in with spawn tokens. Yep. So they're creating the set so that you can cast really big spells. So in that um, in that landscape, Iona is totally castable, I think. Yeah, she definitely can get out there. Same with, I guess, a lot of the other... Because um, there are a lot of actually other expensive cards, uh, mana-wise, that, you know, like the commands are in here that you can pay for X. Yep, um, yep. Uh, what was the last mythic that was spoiled? Comet Storm is in here, like X mm-hmm. Red Red. So there's a lot of that too. So I, I think they do want you to uh, to go big in this set if possible. So it's very. There's a lot of Rise of the Eldrazi stuff, and Rise yeah. was, for one, my favorite draft set of all time, and it was also built so that it was built slow, mm-hmm. and it was built so that you could do big, huge things. Because what's the point of having all this huge Eldrazi stuff if you can't ever cast it? So. All right, enough about draft. Pretty There's much. a whole bunch of cards. Uh, one more we should talk about is uh, Noble Hierarch. Oh, yeah, definitely. Be- just because it's so expensive. Yeah, it was like a $50, $60, $70 card. Yeah, I think it was up near 70 Yeah. Um, it's already started to drop because it is going to be in this set, and it's going to be at rare. The fact that it's, it's rare is really good. Um, let me read it. It's one green for a one um, creature human druid. It has exalted, which means that if you attack and you attack with only one creature, then it gets plus one, plus one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can also tap the Noble Hierarch, and you can add Bant, which is green, white, and blue. Or blue. Or blue, sorry. You don't <laughs> get to add all three. All three yeah. You get to choose one of those colors. Sorry, I misread that. This card is Rafik of the Many's Best Friend, because she has yes, Exalted she has and exalted, taps yeah. for his colors. And until now, like if you were building a Rafik deck, you might not want to se- spend $70 on this card, because... It's yeah. it doesn't make your deck, you know, ten percent better. It makes your deck like one percent better. Yeah. But now I think the price will come down to a reasonable amount, maybe ten bucks. And now mm-hmm. maybe it's worth it putting it in there. So, and when we say it's printed at rare, it doesn't actually. We're not talking about if it's changed uh, necessarily. Uh, we're just saying because if it's something's at rare, there's a lot of rarity shifting in these sets where they'll sometimes bump something up to mythic if the set it came out in, for instance, didn't have mythic rarities right. at the time, or they'll take something all the way down to common. I think they actually took a rare to common. Yeah, that happens for this set. Um, in Modern Masters, the first one, they had taken something like, uh, I think, Ariok Salvagers was an uncommon. They bumped it up to rare. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they're they switching the rarity around because they're trying to control the draft format. Yeah. And and that's a big part. But also they're switching it around because they want... A lot of reason they're reprinting these cards is they literally want to bring the prices down on some of the cards that have gotten out of control. Yeah. Just because Noble Hierarch... Um, when it was printed, just less people played Magic. Mm-hmm. And so there just aren't that many out there in comparison to a, a modern-day set and how many rares from Theros blocks would say would be in circulation. Yeah, and a card so. like Remand, which is just a counterspell that's used super often in modern, is like an uncommon that it, up until now costed like anywhere from 9 to $10 for an uncommon. And mm-hmm. even Path to Exile is not even that expensive. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like it's great because this set is... It's like Wizards gets to open up the floodgate just a little bit and release some stuff out, some pressure off, you know. 
Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. It's like the pressure gauge is like the needle is sort of like going into the red and they like, yeah, yeah. They, they twist the knob and let some of the air out. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, so um, Splinter Twin, we should also talk about. Oh, yeah. It's a Kiki lot Jiki, like Kiki but Jiki. Enchantment. But that car was also really expensive for no good reason. Yeah, it was in it was in the high, mid to high 20s mm-hmm. uh, dollar range. And it's another just very powerful card in our format because it just goes infinite with so many things. Yeah, definitely. All right, we can't talk about every card that's been spoiled. At some point, we may do a, a little mini review. Of, yeah, of, of which cards are good, great for EDH specifically. Yeah, I mean, this is an entire reprint set, so there will not be any new cards that haven't existed before. So mm-hmm. a lot of you listening, you know all these cards already. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for people who have just started the game in the last few years, they didn't have access to these cards before. So we'll probably do an episode talking about it in yeah. the future. Um, Especially after spoiled. we... Maybe we'll do it at, you know, at uh, in Vegas. Oh, who that's knows? true. That's true. We're going to do something. We're going to do... We have to do something. Yeah. Even if it has nothing to do with EDH, it might just be fun to do a... Uh, we're in Vegas and we're with friends and we brought on these guests to talk about this. And and I won $10,000 playing craps. Did you? Amazing. I'm I'm hoping. That's, am, that's wishful yeah. thinking. Yeah. It's not jinxing, right? We're not jinxing. We're just hoping. Let me knock on wood. Where's some wood? Uh, gosh. <laughs> just knocked Josh on... Josh knocked on his head. Yep. How about this chair over here? Oh, there, there we go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, You know that it's bad luck to be superstitious, right, Jimmy? <laughs> 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 one of the great conundrums <laughs> okay so let's move into our main topic edh versus modern so modern masters 2015 is here there's a lots of exciting things coming down the line for us edh players because there are a lot more powerful cards that we now have access to but not all modern staples are necessarily good in edh so we're going to talk about the differences between the two we're going to talk about how to correctly evaluate cards so you don't fall into the very common trap of it's good in this format, so it must be strong in the other. Um, a quick side note, the easiest way to do this is usually standard into modern. A card's really good in standard, but it just doesn't cut it for modern, yep, and yep. people think it does. But So I see that happen pretty often, um, and a lot of price, you know, prices go up and down based on that sort of... You can prediction. do it from like standard to draft also. Like Monastery yeah. Swift Spear is great in modern okay and standard not that great in draft you know and yeah, even exactly. though you would think that coming could because modern modern's a more powerful format that cards playable there would sort of go up the line better but it doesn't always work that way so yeah so what is modern for those of you that do not know modern is magic's other sort of premier constructed format outside of standard standard only has a few blocks available uh to it to be able to play it so it's like it's like the recent game you yep. know it's within the past year and a half or so of sets that have been released pretty soon it will be within the last 18 months yeah yeah and right now it's the last two years, two years but yeah, yeah. Uh, but Modern is a constructive fam- format that is very similar. 60-card decks, uh, you can have four of each card, and you can have a 15-card sideboard. However, the sets that are legal are very different. It's every set from 8th edition and Mirrodin on. Uh, so it's everything legal. with the new card border right. is sort of the cutoff. But yeah, 8th edition and Mirrodin is when the new card border came out. The um, black card border specifically? Uh, they had black ones before, but you'll right. notice around that time the border changed. Yeah. If you look at a card from like from before that and then that, you can notice it. Um, Modern has a separate ban list. Yep. Uh, it's where the ban list starts because standard very rarely has cards banned from it unless it's like Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, notably, all of the cards that are banned in Modern are usually, almost all of them are huge EDH staples like Skull Clamp, Stoneforge Mystic, Treasure Cruise, uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Sensei's Divining Top, Umazawa's Jite, Deathrite Shaman uh, to a lesser degree, and Green Sun Zenith. So all these cards are huge in EDH and used quite often. I mean, almost always, if you look at the ban list of another format, Legacy yeah. or um, Modern, that's a good place to look for powerful cards that are going to be good in EDH because they're so powerful 
that they literally can't aren't allowed to be played in their own format. So yeah. I think Treasure Cruise stands out as like something that was recently banned. That's not great in EDH. It's fine. You could play it, obviously. Um, I mean, if the game goes long, it's almost a guaranteed ancestral recall off yeah, the top. You yeah, know? it's it's fine. I just think even ancestral. Well, ancestral is literally on turn you know two right. or three. You could do it and do something else. But yeah. but it is it is very good. Um, yeah, but geez, skull clamp. Stoneforge Mystic, yeah. Jace the Mind Sculptor, Divining Top. Like, it also means that people found ways to break these yeah. cards in Modern with a smaller deck and having four of them. So that, I mean, usually that means it's pretty good in EDH. Yeah, so definitely cards to look at and probably try and use. Yeah. Um, one other thing about Modern is that it they don't have a rotation cycle. So it's an eternal format um, from, the, from the standpoint that there won't be cards that fall off it. Mm-hmm. There's cards that aren't allowed because they existed before the cutoff date, which is 8th edition in Meriden, like we said. But anything coming in new will stay there forever. Yeah, so it doesn't push stuff off the back end. Yeah, so it's safer to, you know, in a way, to invest in it because you, it's not like standard where I buy my cards and then I know in 18 months those cards are just gone. I can't use them in this format. Heck, even as short as four months, two months, yeah. your entire deck could yeah, be... Yeah, if you bought Theros stuff right now, you're, you don't, you're not going to get to use it for very long before yeah. the whole Theros block is, is going to fall off. So And the meta shifts very rapidly in Standard, um, as we've seen. And if you watch you know, like Wedge's videos on the Manasaurus, you'll yep. see that Standard is always changing constantly. And, and it's like an ever-evolving format, and people are always trying to break it and figure out you know, what the best deck is, and it's very hard to do. Well, because and also because of the way standard works is that there's so few st- sets. So any new set that comes in, percentage-wise, is such a large, large part of the format yeah. that it can have a huge swing, right? But in modern, like, let's say a new set comes in, you know, th- when Battle for Zendikar comes out, you know, in, in the fall, um, that's going to be, it's going to be like a drop in the bucket, as far as you know, because I don't know exactly how many you know, cards draws are available. Size drop, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it won't affect it. It just it's it's odd that it has a very large effect because you're adding 200 cards to a card pool that's you know seven, eight, nine thousand. I don't right. know exactly what the card pool is, but you know, whereas in standard you're adding two, you know, 300 cards to another 1,200 cards. So now yeah. it's like literally, what is that? Like 20 percent of the format. So that's another reason that new sets come out and they don't affect modern as much. So that therefore there's less, uh, it's more stable. Yeah. You know, so, so it's safer to invest in just in general. If you build a deck in modern and it's tier one, it's probably going to be tier one for a while. It's unlikely that like a new card comes out in a new set that totally makes your deck not work, not mm-hmm. good anymore. You might need to slightly upgrade it once in a while, but in general, it's a safer format to invest in. Yeah. So unless you're building a birthing pod deck. And if you guys didn't know, Birthing Pod got banned, got banned. recently. So. <laughs> Another card that's very good in our format. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you want to learn more about Modern specifically and all this stuff, a great place to go is our sister podcast. Hey, hey. The Masters of Modern podcast. Yep. Um, Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman are the hosts of that. They've been around for a while. Glenn Jones was one of the guys. He now works at Wizards, but he was one of the original hosts. Um, very There's the show that the show is legit. Yeah, oh yeah. They've had great ge- uh, great guests on, like yep. Travis Wu. And, uh, the brewmaster himself. Yeah, they've had all kinds. Matt Sperling was on there. So definitely check them out. They also can be found on Rocket Jump. Um, so if you're interested in Modern, which is a very cool format, we we definitely recommend you checking that out. Yeah, they just did the top. Uh, they've been doing the top 10 series sort of alongside ours. And every time they do one, I will or you will come onto the show and we'll talk about our top 10 in comparison to theirs. And it's great to see because the format values very some cards very differently. Um, like their top number one white card of all time, uh, clearly was Path to Exile. Yeah, 
Well, it's, you know, it was on our list. It was on our list, but like clearly not number one no, right, for EDH. No, so, no. I mean, we're going to talk about those differences today. So let's get right into it. Let's talk about evaluating cards. So in general, how do we evaluate cards in a vacuum for any format? Well, we like to use something called the quadrant theory, which is something that uh, Marshall from Limited Resources talked about when he was on the show. It was something that him and Brian, I think, both sort of came up with. I think it's a Brian Wong thing originally. Yeah. But yeah. And it's a great way to evaluate cards in Limited, but it's also just a very solid way to look at a card in general. Mm-hmm. Before, there used to be the draft format of, what was the acronym? It was BREAD. Where you would bombs removal, evasion, and dudes or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so it was a way to to a draft order, but that sort of fell out of favor because you know it doesn't necessarily you know bombs aren't the end all be all, um, and you shouldn't always be picking them first if your deck needs something else or whatever. So the quadrant theory is basically you're looking at the card as when it's good or bad, and how is it when you are developing your board in the early states of the game, when you are winning the game, when you're behind. And when you're at parity, when you're sort of staring down your opponent. Um, and I think that still applies to most cards, just in general. I mean, they'll be good. There's always corner cases. I think EDH is a format that finds the most corner cases because it's like, sure. this card is good because of, like, the commander is here all the time and 50 other things in this deck are happening that all lead to this card being good where it normally would suck. Well, and also we're weighted differently. In other formats, in the quadrant that's called winning the game, Yeah, that's a position where a lot of cards... Like, just a normal creature is good if you're winning the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, because usually if you're ahead in a, con- a normal constructed format, it's easier to stay ahead. In our format, because of the multiplayer aspect... King of the Hill aspect. Yeah, yeah you're battling sometimes three or four other players when you're ahead. So, you know, win- winning cards that make you win when you're already ahead are just more valuable to us than they mm-hmm. are in other formats. They talk about win more cards... And those are cards that like only do something when you're winning. And it's like, why do I need the, something that's doing something when I'm winning? What about when I'm losing? Yeah. You know, and that still applies because, again, the multiplayer aspect, you're actually going to be losing more often than you're winning. You know, in a one-on-one environment, you could say in a vacuum, you're going to be winning or losing about 50% of the time at any given state of the game. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not exactly how it works, but you could sort of, that's, there's only two players. Yeah. And so in a multiplayer format, if there's five players, then you're only going to be winning 20% of the time and you're going to be losing 80% of the time. So and whenever you are winning, people are always turned against you specifically. So it is, it's a lot, yeah, it's definitely weighted a lot differently. Yeah. And I'd say being, a card being good when you're behind or at parity is so much more important in EDH because when you're behind, you're behind, you know, like three other people on the board. And if you have a card that can erase that deficit, it's way more powerful than just saying, oh, I caught up to one player instead of I caught up to the other three players. Yeah. Um, another thing to keep in mind as we move forward are life totals. Uh, very big difference when you're playing 1v1 with 20 life versus 4-player, 5-player free-for-all with 40 life. Yes. Changes the evaluations of cards drastically. And the final thing is EDH is a singleton format, whereas all these constructed formats are uh, you can have 4 of a card. So that also affects a card. Yeah, so certain cards are going to be really good when you can have 4 of them. Mm-hmm. Also, out of sixty cards, or thirty-one of them, but we'll get to that next time. Right, but if you have, if you have four out of sixty, that's one in fifteen of your cards is that card. Yeah. If you have a very unique card that has a very unique effect, then maybe there's not another card in Magic that does what that card does, and then we're talking one out of a hundred cards, which means it's hard to really count on having that effect in EDH. But if you can have four of them, then you can still like Jeskai Ascendancy. You oh, can yeah. build a Jeskai Ascendancy deck. In modern, it's hard to build a Jeskai Ascendancy deck 
in Commander. Yeah. I you mean, know, you have to build in tutors. You have to build in redundancy yeah. that we always talk about on the show, and, and that definitely... Yeah, I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying it's a lot harder, just because <laughs> even the Jeskai Ascendancy deck in Modern has tutors. It has Glittering Wishes, and it has things yeah. to go find it. So they have seven or eight of them in their deck, you know? And so it's just that's a, a way to sort of look at how the formats are different and how you would evaluate evaluate yeah. cards yeah all right well let's talk about what uh, what is important for cards in modern and the first point i wrote down which is something that i think applies to all 1v1 formats is does it win the game yeah you want to put down a threat that's capable of killing your opponent yeah you know that they have to answer there's um, no politics in modern. There's no group hug deck. It's you kill or you be killed. You can't t- talk the other player into not <laughs> trying to kill you, right? <laughs> I mean, you that imagine? Hap- yeah, it happens all the time in EDH where you're like, I'm going to attack you. And you're like, wait, don't attack me. He did that. And what if, look at him. He's got Niv-Mizzet. You might want to attack him. And then the player goes, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm going to attack him <laughs> instead. But if in a 1v1 game, you can't do that. Hey, man, how about you just take a turn off? How about you, you know? don't attack? Why do you want to attack me? They'll look at you like you're an insane person. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so the, the win, winning game factor is super important for cards in Modern, and that means that it actually demands a lot more of the card specifically. So, like, a card just can't be... It can't be bad if it's by itself. You know, it has to be able to work well with everything yes. and be super efficient. Um, well, you don't have this whole other aspect of the game, which is, like, I'll use my skills of a politician to, yeah. s- to just last another turn. Or I'll use this constantly recurring commander to make this card even better. Yeah. Um, and coming to that, uh, another thing that's important for modern, is it the best version of the card? So, so many cards have been printed, and uh, a lot of cards will fall into... Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, ob- obsolescence. Oh, they'll f- they'll become obsolete. Obsolete. Yeah. yeah because like planned obsolescence. I was thinking about like yeah, yeah. and stuff. But yeah, like some cards would just not be as good. Well, as think of like lightning out. strike versus mm-hmm. lightning bolt. Right. Lightning strike is exactly lightning bolt. Just costs one more mana because lightning bolt's so powerful they don't want to put it in standard. Mm-hmm. So you, in modern, you'll literally never play lightning strike because you want lightning bolt because it's just strictly better. Yep. But we're in a singleton format. If you want that effect, you probably want it twice. You'd probably one bo- run both of those you play cards. Both, yeah. Yeah. So, th- or there's stuff like, let's say, Fate Stitcher, my favorite card. You tap and untap permanence. Well, in the deck that runs Fate Stitcher, that, that's the Tim deck that we talked about a few episodes back, I also want to run Kiora's Follower, which is strictly worse than Fate Stitcher. It only untaps stuff, it doesn't also tap it. Mm-hmm. However, the deck just wants that effect so bad that I'll take the strictly worse, worse version also. Yeah, you're you're, ha- you're happy. I'll even take it. another guy that costs mana to do the same thing, and it's strictly worse than Cure's Follower. Yep. Because in order to build in the synerg- the amount of synergy I need, I I can't just only go with the best version. <laughs> I have to sort of you know I have to concede a little bit. Yeah, and it's a it's a good concession to make because yeah. that's what makes EDH really fun. Exactly. It's also finding the cards that are like, wow, I had no idea that did that thing, and it does it so well in this deck. I mean, it does it slightly worse than the best thing that does that, but it's still usable. Yeah, 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 and I'm, and I'm happy to have the effect because I just I know I'm not going to draw that fate stitcher even though I'd love to every single game. Right, exactly. Um, also, in modern, is it a combo piece and does it have a place in a pre-existing archetype? So, if a card is awesome but it's just awesome by itself and there's no deck to support it, then guess what? It's not modern playable unless you find the deck or build the deck that does it. Um, EDH, there's going to be a commander. There's going to be a deck that will want just that awesome card that you know match, matches really well with. Um, I, I noticed this recently with uh, any of the Chandras that do one damage to another player. Uh, Craig uh, Blanchett was playing it in his Rakdos deck, which mm-hmm. you can't cast Rakdos unless you do damage to a player. And usually it's like, oh, Chandra does one damage to a player? That's terrible in EDH. But no, no, no. There's always going to be that corner case where it turns out to be 
awesome because you can play that and then you're able to play your general without having to swing at someone. It's direct damage. You know, it's unavoidable. It's, it's, it was really interesting to see that interaction and think about how that worked in a large scale. Um, finally, how efficient is the card? A lot of cards in modern, you're not going to see people playing Iona. Yeah, it's just too mana. expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, they want a creature that's too powerful for its mana cost or does too much for what it costs. So yeah. Path to Exile, Lightning Bolt, staple cards in modern because they do so much, they cost one mana. Yeah. You know, and that's a big thing in the format where you only have 20 life. So the games are a lot faster. And so every single card has to have the biggest impact it can for your mana because you're really constrained on the amount of mana you have. In our format, you can often go three turns and do nothing and still be in that game. Yeah. You can't do that in modern. Oh, you'd get crushed. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of those cards are just, we don't need them, you know? Um, the big one yeah, is sort of, and, and it's coming out of Modern Masters. We talked about it earlier. It's very expensive. It's one of the most ex- uh, efficient creatures ever made is Tarmogoyf. Yep. So Tarmogoyf costs two mana, and it often becomes a very big threat. Very, very quickly. quickly. And yeah. even if it doesn't, it's just a two-mana 4-5 later on in the game, which it doesn't do anything else. It doesn't. Yeah, it's just a beater. It's it just doesn't a two-mana do beater. anything interesting. Yeah. Let's and, read it real fast. Okay. Tarmogoyf is one in the green for a star slash one plus star. So it's always going to have one more toughness than its power. It's, so it doesn't die immediately. It's a right. zero one, but it also gets plus star plus star. And the star is? Uh, the star is Tarmogoyf's power is equal to the number of card types among cards in all graveyards. And its toughness is equal to that number plus one. So card types means is it an instant? Is it a sorcery? Is it a planeswalker? A creature? A land, an a artifact, land. an enchantment. Right. So it's great modern because on turn one, you play a fetch land and already if you were able to have a Tarmogoyf out at that point, it becomes a 1-2 because your fetch land is in the graveyard. And turn so two, there's a land in there. Yeah. Let's say you turn one fetch into a thought seize, discarding a creature in your so hand. now you got a land and a sorcery. And a creature. And it, Yeah. And, and you you made the opponent discard a creature. So now there's three different card types. So now you play... three four. Yeah. You play Tarmogoyf on turn two. It's a two-mana 3-4. Yeah. It's basically the best creature you could ever have uh, in that situation. Yeah. It's And oftentimes your opponent is the one that's fueling it. Now, someone might think, hey, th- why- this is awesome in EDH because there's four opponents fueling right. this at the same time. Turns out it's not. It's actually terrible in EDH. I wouldn't say it's terrible. I just don't think it's... It's just irrelevant it's really fine. quickly. It's like, eh, it's the fine... It's, you know, the problem is in EDH, it's just not that much different than playing a five-mana 6-6. Six, six, yeah. Which you wouldn't normally play. In some decks, you might want it. But it doesn't do a lot more than that, mm-hmm. you know, because... You're just not going to defeat three or four of their players by hitting them for three or four. And you're going to just piss everyone off. Yeah, I mean, you could just attack one guy, and you'll probably get three or four attacks. But the problem is he starts with 40 life instead of 20. Mm-hmm. So the clock is is doubled, or halved, as it were. And it's just it doesn't do anything else that you need to be done. So as soon as he plays something big enough or just kills it, yeah, what are you going to do? You're going to sit there twiddling your thumbs thinking, why did I spend $200 on Tarmogoyf? <laughs> I mean, we like cards in EDH that have big effects that land and do something that synergize well with our deck. So, yeah, Tarmogoyf is very good in modern. It's just that type of effect. Mm-hmm. Just big creature is just not hard to simulate in other ways. 
in a much better ways. Yeah. Uh, because mana and efficiency are just not as big a deal in EDH. Yeah, and 1v1 Tarmogoyf immediately puts your opponent on the back foot if they can't get rid of it because now they have this 4-5 crashing down on them on turn three. You yeah. Know? Anything they play from their hand just can't deal with it. Yep. And time. they can't really afford to take that in the face a, more than a, a couple times. Mm-hmm. It just does so huge chunks of your life because it, like, if you've got 20 life, that's five hits and you're dead. Yeah. If you've got 40 life, that's 10 hits. It's 10 turns. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can't... If you can't wipe the board in a couple of turns, then you should die anyway, right? I mean, if you can't do anything about a four or five hitting you, yeah. you know, before it hits you ten times, pretty much. Um, so yeah, Tarmogoyf is one of the trap cards that is great in modern and yeah. just not as solid in EDH for a good reason. And uh, we mentioned another card when we were talking about Tarmogoyf, and that would be Thoughtseize. And Thoughtseize is a card that sees play in every form, and it's yep. legal in uh, pretty much. And if it's not Thoughtseize, then it's Inquisition of Kozilek. But it's essentially a one. Uh, it's a one-drop sorcery, and you choose a non-land card from, the, uh, from a target player's hand, and they discard it. So you look at their hand, you say that card, and they have to discard it. And then you take two damage. I mean, trap card, right? You would think, hey, this guy has Niv-Mizzet out. If I thought seize him and get rid of that Ophidian Eye, then awesome. I'm, he's not going to win the game. But at the same time, it's like, are you really going to pay a card slot in your deck to just target one person and get rid of one card in their hand when there's so much other stuff happening on the board? I think there's two things going against this card. Um, one is card advantage works differently in ADH. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this many times. If you one-for-one one your opponent in a match where you're playing 1v1, that's fine. You're a parity. So I use one of my cards to kill one of your cards. We're even. Yeah, and oftentimes I am getting rid of a very important card. Or if someone and you like, can even be ahead because I'm spending one mana to get mm-hmm. rid of something you played for four mana. So tempo-wise, I'm ahead. Yeah. Yeah. In EDH, you've got three or four other players. So if I use one of my cards to get rid of one of your cards, Jimmy, Craig and Alex didn't lose anything in that exchange. So now you and I are just behind to them. Yeah. So in general, you don't. that's not an effect that you really want. Now, you might need it because you might have Iona out or you might have Consecrated Sphinx or you might have a utility creature or a thing that like I just can't beat if I don't get rid of it. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying you never want that effect. I'm just saying you have to be careful with that effect. So that's the first strike against it. The second strike is that in multiplayer, you want to be a little bit more reactionary with your answers. So yeah. Thoughtseize is a very proactive answer. It's like, oh, I'm going to look at your hand and I'm going to get rid of the card that... Do- that matches up the best against my deck so and just hope that they also have the card right but a lot of times it's like oh they're playing splinter twin mm-hmm. so if i look at their hand early on and i can get rid of one splinter twin then that's one less splinter twin i gotta worry about for the rest of the game right it's great oh, in 1v1 absolutely. yeah in 1v1 but in yeah in multiplayer i don't know which one of you has what at any time so thoughtsies can just totally whiff or just be played against the wrong guy so easily because you don't know what's in people's hands. And it, it generates a lot of hate in a game like EDH too. I don't even know if it does. Like I would be like I feel like someone if you did it to me, I'd be like, all right, sure. Let's say you did get rid of a totally sweet card and Thoughtsies was at its very best, right? right? Let's say you did get rid of the one thing I needed to win. I'm just gonna hate you for the rest of the game. I'm just gonna turn my attention to you because you did this this thing to me that otherwise would have like you know, I would have gone on to win otherwise or whatever. It, I feel like in those cases, when Thoughtseize is its best, it actually causes the most damage, like, allies-wise. Maybe. I, I guess to me, I'd be like, okay. I mean, I hope I never build my deck so that one card really right. matters that much. Clearly. You know, that's not that I haven't even played. You know, cards matter in EDH once they've hit the table because now you're like, oh, that guy. 
like I don't know which of these three guys is I'm really worried about. And you're sort of just eyeing everybody and being like, well, he's got that, and this guy, the other guy's got that, mm-hmm. and he's setting up his thing. I don't know which one's the biggest threat. And then I sort of have to wait for our card to hit the table or or to be played or for me to know they've got it. And with Thoughtseize, it's just too hard to tell. I could just Thoughtseize you, and then Craig could play Iona naming my color, and then what? Yeah. You know, it's then just... what? Yeah. I think... I mean, I'd much rather have Craig play this the other night, Glasses of Urza, which you just tap see it everybody's... and look at opponent's hand. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I mean, a card in EDH that would be way better, and I'm not saying play this card because everyone will hate you, but is just everyone discards all their hand. Right. You know, that's just going to do what you want it to do. Whereas Thoughtseize is so often going to do nothing. It's yeah. just going to be like, uh, I guess discard this, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, you never want to put yourself in a position where you are, you and someone else are in a worse position than other people because you decided you had to use your spot hand-targeted removal against someone else, you know. It's just, it, it's just a, it would be a weird card to play in yeah. the And not to mention, you could just whiff. You could easily just whiff. I think most of the time in a multiplayer game, you would whiff. Yeah. You know? Oh, I mean, you. I mean, sure, you'd get rid of something, but it wouldn't be high impact enough for it to be worth a slot in your deck. I mean, you could... would literally get rid of something from this guy, and then the very next player to his to his left will just play something that you're like, crap, I wish I had... A, yeah. I wish my Thoughtseize was a path <laughs> to exile or a terror, because yeah. then I could just kill that thing. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so let's move on now and talk about what's important for cards in EDH. We've already touched on a lot of these subjects, clearly. Um, but the, for, I mean, the four main differences here between EDH and Modern is you have more life, you've got more players, you have a bigger card pool, and it's a singleton format. So um, one thing I wanted to talk about is just general impact of, of something when it hits the board. So Tarmogoyf comes down on turn two as a 3-4 or a 4-5 even. And let's say turn... Let, I mean, let's say you draw him turn 10 you get a turn 10 two mana five six maybe right which is great i mean efficiency wise yeah efficiency wise it's yeah. great but, but then does it actually do anything to the board no exactly yeah. i mean in that situation you'd always want crater hoof behemoth mm-hmm. over it you know and the pro and the thing is in edh there's going to be a lot more turns after turns five than there are in other formats in fact you know you're probably going to have more turns after turn five than than you will games where you don't make it to turn ten or twelve, you know. Mm-hmm. So Craterhoof just so much better, unplayable in modern, you know, or most of the time in modern. But is it even legal in modern? I don't even know. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. from like Avacyn Restorer. I mean, the thing is, it's like you want. I mean, EDH is the format of Enter the Battlefield effects, and and, and those now and kill now. you yeah. now. You know, this hits. I do something immediately because if I pass turn. Then there's three other players, and if one of them has Wrath of God, it's you know the game's yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I would say that Modern does value that too. That the card that just comes down and doesn't do anything when it hits the board yeah. is not good. That's it why just I, can't afford that amount of mana. Yeah, exactly. It can't afford that amount of mana. Whereas in this format, we definitely can. And if you're able to afford that amount of mana, would you rather be putting out a vanilla creature that's just a big guy for cheap, or would you be rather you know playing Avenger of Zendikar and getting ten zero one plants on yep. the board? And then, pl- and then playing a land and making them all one-twos and then giving them haste. You know, like, there are much better things you can do with your mana. Um, Lightning Bolt, it's a great example as well. It was, like, number one on the top ten red cards for Modern, but doesn't even make the list for top ten red cards for EDH. There's very few EDH decks that want Lightning Bolt. Um, it's just too low impact. Yeah. It doesn't kill enough of the things they're going to be playing. And then it's also got that card advantage problem where it's my one card for your one card. That's if I don't just blast you in the face with it, which, again, you have more life, so why would mm-hmm. I do that? Um, yeah, you'd almost always play... Well, let's look at it this way. 
um, what we have written down is lightning bolt versus a board wipe. <laughs> Very different worlds. I'd much rather have that board wipe. Yeah, exactly, because I'm playing against so many players. So instead of a card that kills one thing, why don't I play a card that kills all things? Yeah. You know, and, and there's just so many more situations, like we said, where you're just losing the game in EDH by a wide margin because you're only 20% of the players in that game. So there's just a lot of that time you're just behind. And so hitting the reset button, just like, okay, let's start over here on what's out on the battlefield is so much more powerful than like, hey, I won for one you. And then the other two guys are like, sweet, now we're ahead of them and we didn't have to do anything. Yeah. Or like, oh, cool. We managed to convince him to get rid of this guy for us. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, this next one I like a lot, Batterskull versus the Sword of Feast and Famine. Yeah, so Batterskull is playable in Modern. It's playable in Legacy. It's definitely playable in Legacy, yeah. Yeah, it's a very powerful card. And I'm not saying it's not playable in EDH. I'm just saying in EDH, what does it do? A lot of damage and it heals you. Mm -hmm. Those are two things that we're not as worried about. It's not so much damage. It's not 15 damage. Yeah. You know, it's it's a decent amount, but it's not a clock that they really have to be like, oh, crap, I'm going to die in two turns. Yeah, and you can kind of save it from removal and stuff. So it has a couple of other benefits. But Sword of the Feast of Famine, what does that do? It untaps all of your lands. It and gives they you... discard. Yeah. And it makes your creature bigger. And it gives them protection from... Uh, multiple colors. From multiple colors. And so it's just so much utility that again, that's not a card that's played in most of the eternal formats. Mm -hmm. But in our format, it's I would say Sword of Feast and Famine is as good or maybe even better than Batter Skull in most decks. Oh yeah. The fact that yeah. you get to untap your lands yeah. is the big one. And you can just swing at one person that can't block because of the protection. Yep. And if you need things to trigger, it's just such a it's just such a more powerful card because you're trying to play big stuff. You yes. Know, you exactly. batter skull someone for four life, it's like great, and then I swing back at you for eight thousand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I can cast, you know, infinite amount of stuff because I can just untap all my lands and I have all this crazy stuff I can yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, um, just huge things. So Insurrection's the go-to for this. It's just you can't play that stuff in Modern at all or or Standard or anything. So we've talked about that today. I mean, if you could play that stuff in Modern, sure, it'd be playable if it was, you know, five mana, right. four mana. But right. in this case, Insurrection is just one of those cards that's A, built for multiplayer because if you're taking... If it was four mana, it'd be so broken. <laughs> it would be the most broken card well, in the world. Also, in Modern, it wouldn't even be great against some decks. They're mm -hmm. not playing a lot of creatures. Yeah, uh, and by the time they play their Kiki-Jiki or their, their Splinter Twin on their it's too late. it's too late, yeah. Yeah, so there's going to be a lot of decks where, like, you even if you could play Insurrection, it's going to be like, well, you can take their Delver, mm -hmm. you know, hit them the, for three. There's so much to be said about someone playing their turn in EDH and then not being able to do anything or only having enough mana and instance to maybe affect one thing that happens in a three-player or a four-player turn cycle. Mm -hmm. Because if you're sitting at the end of that, then something like Insurrection is oh the, so much sweeter to you because you know that the guy that might counter you is going to have to go through the gauntlet of two or three other players to hope that they don't do anything that makes him drop, you know, spend the rest of his mana. Um, oh, the next one, really interesting. So Bitter Blossom was one of the cards that was spoiled. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it used to be super expensive. It is one in a black for an enchantment, and it essentially says at the beginning of your upkeep, you put a 1-1 one, one, uh, flying, flying fairy. fairy. Yeah, black fairy rogue creature token on the battlefield, and you lose a life as well. So for one life each upkeep, you get a 1-1 one, one black fairy, which is yeah. pretty sweet with flying. Yeah, it's a good card. Don't get me wrong. The, the price tag is very high. You know, but the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what, Bitter Blossom, it's good in EDH, but Awakening Zone is so much better. It's it's it is better in EDH, and it's like 
so much less expensive. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons it's better. Uh, I guess maybe we should read Awakening Zone. Yeah, yeah. Awakening Zone is also a... Enchantment. Yeah, it's an enchantment. It's definitely one of the, I'd say, like one of the top uh, green enchantments to have. It's uh, two and a, a green originally from Rise, Rise of the Eldrazi. Yeah. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may put it. You may put a zero one colorless Eldrazi spawn creature token on the battlefield. It has sacrifices creature add one to your mana pool. So it's making zero ones. The other one's making one one flyers. Yeah. So, so you, you would think, think. Yeah. Yep. This one though, you can sacrifice those creatures for a colorless mana. Add instant speed. Also, it's in green. And green's a token color, and black's not. So in in a in modern and a bitter blossom's fallen out of favor. It's not played a ton, but w- when it is played, the one one flying creatures can literally kill them. Mm-hmm. In EDH, it's a lot harder because you're probably not pairing it into a huge token deck because black's not really a token color. Yeah, I'm not saying you can't do it. Again, it's possible. It's just not in the best token colors. But in any case, if you are going to use the bitter blossom fairies to kill somebody, you're not going to do it one at a time. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna put down coat of arms. Mm-hmm. You're gonna put down crater hoof behemoth. You're gonna play overrun. Well, you're gonna do that same thing if you have awakening zone. Except and you'll in- be able to do it faster. Yeah, because you can use the guys to you to for the mana to do that stuff. Yeah, and also they'll be just as good as the one one flyers because they can either block your one one flyers or not. You know, flying's a little bit better. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, flying's good if you need to defend against a giant guy yeah. flying at you. But you've got bigger problems to worry about if you if you have to use bitter blossom to solve that problem for you. Yeah, I just think awakening zone is in a funny way in our format better than bitter blossom now oh, i'm not yeah. saying either is unplayable i mean bitter blossom is unplayable it's totally not it's it's strong it's good but the one life does matter and just the well, fact yeah the one life matters in that that it doesn't matter if you're trying to peck someone down with that just one one yeah if that's why you have bitter blossoms like so i can have a guy to attack with yeah. that you're not thinking about it right yeah, yeah. um okay so oh yes repeatable effects are huge in edh things that you can sustain over a long game because this this is a format where uh, going long and card, just in general, the ability for a card to be good, the later the game goes, the better. Um, and the fact that, like, you know, cards that repeatedly do something just gain you value, incremental value, mm-hmm. over and over. You know, Consecrated Sphinx is one of the best ones because it actually does it on everybody else's turn. Yeah. Um, and if someone just draws, if someone else has a Consecrated Sphinx out, you draw off of their Consecrated Sphinx as well. Oh, that can get insane because then they drop yours. It's May, right? So mm-hmm. you're fine. Uh, consecrated Sphinx, we should say, just says anytime one of your opponents would draw a card, you you may draw two cards. Two cards? Yeah. Oh, God. So you cast it. Then you say go. If there's three other players, by the time it's your turn again, you've drawn six more cards. Yeah. If all they've done is just draw and say yeah. pass. If, yeah. A lot of times you play Consecrated Sphinx and it's like, you say go. You get. You draw two cards. Even if they kill it right then, you're 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 ahead or even, mm-hmm. and they're behind because they yeah. used a card on one of your cards, but you drew two cards off of it. Very rarely do I see this card make it alive all the way around the table, and when it does, the person that played it usually wins the game. Just because, unless everybody else teams up, on teams them. up, yeah, and, yeah. or just even if because even if they get rid of it two turns later, you've drawn f- four or five cards, six cards, who knows? Depending on what other players have been doing, yeah. I mean, and again, it's it's helped by multiplayer in one v one. It's way less powerful because you can only draw two cards really, unless they they're stupid enough to play divination or some card that draws them cards, <laughs> while you got, which they wouldn't do if you had consecrated sphinx out. Yeah. So someone plays a Jace the Mind Sculptor. And yeah. you're like, yes, <laughs> you're like, okay, dude. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks for the free six. Um, other cards, Eternal Witness, which just is a creature we've talked about that regrowth something from your graveyard mm-hmm. uh rune scarred demon is a demon that tutors when it comes in yeah you know because you can 
flicker these things. You can bounce them back to your hand, play them again. You can get like sustained value, repeatable value off of them. Yeah. That's why they're so strong. And you can't build a modern deck to do that as well because you're allowed to dream a little bigger, as Tom Hardy said. A in lot the, bigger. In the uh, classic Inception. <laughs> uh, you are allowed to dream a lot bigger in this format. So stuff that costs above five mana and that has, you know, Dead Eye Navigator is not a cheap card to play, but its ability is so good that you put that on any enter the battlefield effect type of creature and you are in business. Even yep. cards that are good in modern or, or standard that aren't good, like if you had like Thragtust and Dead Eye Navigator, that'd be great. It's great. It's amazing, yeah. Yeah, you just gain life, you make dudes, it's broken. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 totally like we want engines, we want sustained, repeatable value. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, versatility. So any of the modal cards like Cryptic Command, so cards that have more than one option on them. Recently, we had all the charms from yep. uh, uh, Concept Arc here, like Obzon, Charm, and stuff. Yeah, we have the new commands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the commands as well. Yeah, so um, Rakdos Charm is one of my favorites because yep. it just destroys a token deck. Yep. They're like, all right, I make a 1,000 Pestermites. Yeah, it has the mode on it that uh, you take damage for every creature you control. Yeah. Or, you, or yeah. is it a target does? player? Yeah. Target player, yeah. So you just point at them and go, how many creatures you got? You take that much damage. Good night. It's yeah. the best when somebody kikis or splinter twins. Yeah, and, and they're so happy. Like, hey, I went infinite. And it yeah. also is able to exile all the cards from someone's graveyard as yep, well. I which mean, is very strong. And destroy target artifacts. So like all three of these things... Well, actually, it's just each creature deals one damage to its controller. So you might be able you to take out multiple. You could kill two multi- players, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah Staff modal of, is good. Staff of Domination is one we've talked about a lot. It just has so many different modes. Uh, you can tap a creature, untap a creature, draw a card, gain life. Um, you can untap the staff itself yep. You know, at different mana costs. And, and why is versatility even more important in our format than other formats? And it's because you're liable to run into so many different kind of decks that it you know, in modern, there are a lot of decks. Mm-hmm. That's one of the strengths of the format. But there's really five, six tier one decks, maybe eight. Um, and so you know, to a certain extent, what stuff might be out there. But in EDH, literally, this dude's got a pirate deck. This guy's got a graveyard deck. This guy's got a Nekusar deck. You know, and somebody else is playing Rafik, and it's like, oh, geez, how can I have <laughs> enough answers in my deck that that deal with all the stuff they might throw at me? Yeah, you can't just have single target answers. Yeah, and you still want some, but in general, you can't have what? something that just kills a creature. You really want something that says on it, like kill a creature or an enchantment. Mm-hmm. You know, kill an enchantment, a creature, or an artifact. You know, you you need stuff that's that's useful in a lot of situations because it's just impossible to predict when you sit down with everybody what situation you might end up in on turn seven. Yeah, that's why I love a card like Decimate that destroys four different things. You can always find those targets and it's just like, oh, I really need that enchantment gone, but it'll be nice if that land and that creature go too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's why Fate Stitcher is probably my favorite card is just that ability to either give you mana or just tap one of their things can be so so useful. useful, Yeah. Yeah, it's just useful in a lot of situations. So... Uh, and then there's a lot of stuff that's good in both formats. And these yeah. are the sort of the overlap cards. Um, Path to Exile, which you talked about earlier, uh, they said is the number one white card in modern. And for us, it was I think it was top three, right? Yeah, I think for you, it's top three. I put it somewhere around six or seven. Uh-huh. Uh, still it, one still of still the best cards. Still clearly made the top set, yeah. yeah. For one, it exiles a creature. Yep. Um, so it gets rid of something permanently, usually unless it's a commander. And the fact that it's instant speed in one mana is yep. just so powerful. It almost always you're up on mana at the very mm-hmm. least when you use it. Now they have to they get to go find a basic land and put it into play, but it costs one white mana, exile target creature, 
and then they get to search their deck for a basic land and put it into play. Not to mention, like, the downside of Path to the Exile, which is to to let them get, find the basic land, or Swords to Plowshares, which lets them gain, gain life, life. Uh, is negligible in EDH, because both of those things, like, sure, they get one more land, but let's say they have, you know, an Awakening Zone. They're already getting extra mana because of it. It's not like you're helping them out in such a massive way with that one land, where that could actually make a difference in Modern. Well, and also, in our format, you're probably using it later in the game than in the other formats, right? So mm -hmm. a Path to Exile is going to be used in Modern on turn two or three, and four specifically because of Splinter Twin. In our format, there's very few things on turn two, three, or four that you're that worried about. Yeah. Because again, we're not playing Tarmogoyfs and stuff because they just aren't imp impactful enough. It's usually the Craterhoof Behemoths that you want to uh, Path to Exile and that kind of thing. So those are way later in the game. And at that point in the game, one extra land is taking them from nine land to 10 land. Yeah. Instead of from three land to four land. Which Th is a huge difference. That's 25% yeah. more land, whereas if you play it on the other scenario, it's 10% more land. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, from a math perspective, way better to play later, and we just have more later turns. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if the card is able to get rid of a card like Avacyn, then it's a good card yes. in EDH. And yep. that, that's like, it's a, the simplest thing, but you can just think about that way, and you'd be like, okay, it's good. Yeah, just based on that. I was talking to a guy alone. online today, and he was saying how his personal playgroup they banned Avacyn. Oh yeah, I and saw that. And I was that. just like, wait, but there's so many cards that deal with Avacyn. Mm -hmm. You know, our playgroup is like Avacyn's like Toxic Deluge, Merciless Eviction. Every deck has yeah. Path to Exile or Swords. Or just shares. even an edict. Someone had yeah. Uh, I an played Shieldred. Yeah, like, exactly. that was enough. Yeah. yeah, they're just like I don't even know. I don't even think Avacyn's that good in our playgroup. You know, mm -hmm. but they banned it in theirs. So um, yeah, that's that's totally interesting. Uh, another thing that's super powerful in both modern and EDH, infinite combos. Oh, yeah. You know, obvious, because if you can infinitely do damage, then it doesn't matter <laughs> if you're killing them in 1v1 or 3v1. You know, yeah. you just you just blow everybody away. So. The difference in modern is I think there are only a couple of decks that can really go infinite successfully. Just Guy Ascendancy. Just Guy Ascendancy. Uh, Splinter Twin. Splinter Twin Kiki. and Kiki. Uh, and then there's also a Restoration Angel Kiki deck. And then like uh, Malira and and uh, and um, Murderous Redcap. Right. Um, and, and or Malira and Kitchen Finks goes infinite life. Yeah. Uh, infinite I mean, life is not that great in EDH. It's fine. I mean, you do... someone just commander damages your infinite Yeah, exactly. Death. I mean, yeah. you'd get infinite life if you could, but that's not like win the game type of yeah. situation. Whereas in modern, it could be like, I gain a trillion life and they're like, okay, I can never kill you. So <laughs> my deck just can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, infinite combos are always good, of course, uh, but just much harder to manage on the top tier level in modern. Whereas you can build some janky infinite stuff or in like in your case, Josh, sometimes you don't even realize it, but you're like, oh, I can go infinite. That happens all the time in EDH. You know, we hear from people online where they're like, oh yeah, I did this today. I never realized that my deck could do that. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, because it takes six cards. But if you <laughs> get those six cards, it's just like, oh, I guess I'm infinite. Yeah. Yeah. So. Pretty great. Uh, Cryptic Command is great in both formats, clearly. Oh, God, it's so good. Tapping all creatures down is so impressive. I mean, just counterspell draw a card is great because you don't yeah. have that problem where it's like, I want to I want to deal with their one card, but I don't want to lose card advantage. Mm -hmm. Well, if I draw a card, now they're just down a card. The rest of us are all fine. Yeah. So, oh, that card's so good. Noble Hierarch's another one that's, that's very good in both. Snapcaster Mage. Again, Snapcaster's very like Cryptic Command in that you just get a card out of it. Mm -hmm. And we're getting a card that, you know, in their format, they're getting Lightning Bolt, Path to Exile in Modern. We're getting... Uh, Giant know, stuff. Yeah, something that does something. We're getting Insurrection. Wipe. Yeah. You know, we're getting... Armageddon. Something that time walks, you know. We're getting extra turns or something crazy, so... Yeah, notably, if you guys think about all the cards that we've mentioned so far, they're all four mana or under. 
So that's why they're good in both formats. If it was yep. above that, then it would it would take a lot more convincing for it to be There's really good. There's a few like warm coil engine. I would say is good yeah. in both formats. Yeah. Um, batter school is go- good in both formats, but it's very very. I mean, usually people are finding ways to cheat those out. Yeah, it's slim you know? pickings for them uh, above four mana. It's just they they have a really hard time playing anything. Yeah. With that high cam- uh, casting cost. Oh, I like this next section. Yeah, replacements. So um, obviously, Stoneforge Mystic, even though it's banned in modern. Wait, we, we should say what this category oh, is. All right, right, right. It's called replacements. So, so what cards work as replacements to otherwise really expensive so cards? So we get asked this a lot, which is like, I can't afford that really expensive card. What's a card that does something similar? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a lot of cards that do 80, 75, 90% of what one of those expensive cards do. And usually you're putting those cards in your deck anyway because they're redundancy for yeah, cards. Yeah, usually you want you'd want both. Effect. But if you can't, you can just have one. And yeah. and there's a lot of sort of 80% as good, which, mm-hmm. by the way, if you have a card in your deck and it's 80% as good as the, you know, $70 version, that's fine because it's <laughs> one card out of 99. So yeah. that extra 20% on that one card doesn't even increase your or, or decrease your uh, deck's power level basically at all. Yeah, and something for $2 that does pretty much what you want it to do f- for something that might be 70 is really great. It's like Swan Song. Uh, that's my force of will. You know, because I don't want to pay a ton of money for a bunch oh, of force man. wills. I, by the way, I, at first I was like, "Oh, it's only instant or sorceries," but but then I watched. I've I've seen you use it probably four or five times now, and just get someone. It just it just destroys them because they're like, "Okay, you can do something and save it from a counterspell, mm-hmm. or you can do something and hold up the one mana." to make sure that they can't kill it. They can't path your yeah. Avacyn. You I think know? you Merciless Eviction, someone tried to counter it, and then you swan songed it, so the 2-2 flyer yeah. that got died as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is pretty great. Um, so Stoneforge Mystic, uh, even though it's banned in modern, still very expensive because uh, it's so good. It's a legacy card. Yeah, it's two mana for an amazing card. Yeah. But Stone Hero Giant, some might argue, is even better in certain decks because it has the ability to put a card equipped yep. onto the battlefield, yep. not just on the battlefield. Because and Stoneforge we're not re- as concerned with the additional mana cost because it is more expensive CMC-wise. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I could see the argument that in EDH decks, at least some, it's better. Yeah, I mean, you're equipping like an Argentum armor or something yep. huge. you know, And that, it's way less expensive yeah, uh, exactly. money-wise. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cryptic Command, uh, Ojutai's Command. Yeah, Ojutai's Command. Just uh, came up recently. Yep. It says, basically, draw a card and counter-target creature spell. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's again, not as good. It does have two other modes, gain four life, and what's the other one? Return target creature card with CMC two or less from your battle, yeah. graveyard to the battlefield. It's actually easier to cast, so it's two a white and a blue mm-hmm. rather than three blue in a colorless. Yeah. Um, so it's got that going for it. I would say, like, 80% of the time, Cryptic Command is counter a creature spell, draw a card. Yep. So, you know, and some of the time it's it's counter a wrath or whatever, and, and obviously Ojutai's command is not as good in that situation. But Silumgar's command... Yeah, Silumgar's command is amazing. So is a card like Dismiss, which just is for the same mana cost, um, counter-target spell and draw a card. Yep. So, and Silumgar's command... Um, all these commands, by the way, are I'm just so glad Wizards are printing these yep. because they're so flavorful. They have so much to them. Silumgar's command is three, a blue, and a black, and you get to choose to counter-target non-creature spell, destroy target Planeswalker... Return target permanence to its owner's hand, or target creature gets minus three, minus three until end of turn. So all of those are really relevant. Yeah, and and the minus three, minus three is actually great for like an indestructible creature. Mm-hmm. So yeah, or a it's, commander too. It, there's yep. a lot of commanders just died to that. Yeah. Um. So a lot of times it's like counter spell and kill something. So it's it's similar to drawing a card. You do get a card's worth of value in addition to the counter spell. So mm-hmm. yeah, I like that. Uh, there's also Grave Pact, and this is what Jason Alt talked to us about. Yeah. Uh, Dictate of Erebus just costs one mana more, but it's the exact same effect, and you can actually put it in at flash speed. Yep. 
Uh, Maze of Ith turns into one of your favorite favorites. Ice Flow. Ice Flow. Um, natural Order turns into Pattern of Rebirth. Yep. And, I mean, like, there are comparisons like this all across the board. Um, if you guys have any, by the way, because this is fascinating. I love sharing yeah. this stuff because this is what makes our format so healthy is because there are all these viable options um, in your sen- deck. Sensei's Divining Top to Crystal Ball. Oh, really right, like. Crystal Ball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, the, again, like, yes, Crystal Ball is not as good, but it does simulate that effect. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 close and for way less dollars yeah so some final thoughts uh first send us tweet us if we've missed anything or if you have a pet card that is you know better or you know pretty much as good as the expensive equivalent in modern or legacy or whatever um and and that you don't mind sharing with the world of course (laughs) uh because that's again we want to promote growth of the game and and this is one we're sharing all our biggest secrets i mean my the politics tips and politics episode like i gave away so much there so can't wait to play with some of you guys in vegas and see if you can call josh out and we're getting teamed up on and destroyed you know that right yeah oh yeah i know that okay i mean we we might have to fake that we're going against each other but secretly under the table like well you just gave it away now oh crap dang it I knew now I I'm going at you for sure, Jimmy. Oh, you guys can't see we're just massive, we're just winking constantly at each other. <laughs> no, I'm not winking. I'm just going to kill you straight up the whole time. This totally is just winking. my eye twitch. Yeah, don't, don't worry about that. Um, some final thoughts though: Don't buy a card that costs a lot because it's in the modern one of the modern's top, like the, the top tier decks. Don't buy it if you don't have to. Don't buy Tarmogoyf. Don't buy Dark Confidants. Yeah, don't, not it, for EDH. Buy open them. it in the Modern Masters pack. Well, definitely <laughs> open a foil Tarmogoyf. You know, just to sell it and turn into an entire EDH deck. For yeah. Sure. Um, Wizards will also reprint a lot of these staples if their price point is out of control. Like Modern Masters is the exact definition of what Wizards will happily do if a card's too expensive. And they'll put it in the Commander product too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one card I like that you wrote this down that they may not do that with. <laughs> I'm not sure. We there was some speculation they, they would put it. They kind of already did it with one of the from the vaults. Yeah, and there was some speculation they would put it into Commander products this year, so maybe mm-hmm. next year or last year, so maybe this year. Um, is Sensei's Divining Top because the price is very high. Yeah, it's one of the most expensive uncommons. It's banned, and it's basically banned because it just takes a long time. Yeah, which I I don't like in EDH people taking long turns, so I'm 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 all in favor of it being hard to get a hold of, but but yet it's so good and. It's still in enough decks that exist that I almost feel like, well, should everybody have access to it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the answer to this, but I mean, you could definitely see card games going a little bit longer if that was yeah, I hate everyone's that part deck. Of it. So right. it, it's an interesting Wizards is in an interesting spot. They did reprint it in from the vault uh, relics, but that didn't actually change the price very much. Yeah, it's just not enough impact from those things yeah, to, exactly. to really move the needle. All right. Well, that is our uh, brief discussion on EDH versus modern. Obviously, there is a lot that we did not talk about. Uh, please add to the contra- conversation, not controversation. I don't know what that is. Controversy, cons- controversy and, contra- and, conversation. and conversation. Yeah. yeah. Add to it. Tweet at us at CommandCast, and we will happily uh, retweet some stuff. Add to that conservation. Add to the conservation. We need a cons- conservation. Sounds like contraception, too, though. <laughs> I was thinking conservation, but... It's just a weird mix of everything that starts with con and ends with Asian, essentially. <laughs> this is just a great conversation. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Controversation. <laughs> uh, crap. Uh, so let's move on to the end step. Um, today, I'm going to talk about, very briefly, I don't know if you guys heard this, but uh, I saw the Avengers last week. Have you seen it yet? Um, I've seen pieces of You've it. You've seen pieces, right? They were actually doing the effects for it right across the hall from where I work. So oh, I nice. like, would see Joss Whedon every day. That was cool. Very tired and very uh, exhausted. They were sure. there... Um, I can't talk about it much, obviously, because NDAs. But they were not sleeping for like six weeks. Oof. I ran. It, there was a there was a PA, a production assistant, 
that I would see often. And I, one day I was like, dude, when's the last time you had a day off? And he goes, a, a whole day? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, seven weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. I mean, crazy. Yeah, well, they obviously had a ton of VFX to do. If you guys have seen the movie, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Obviously, it doesn't reach the same highs as the first movie. Um, because I mean, they had eight years and like five other movies to get ready for that one yeah, movie. Exactly. So it was impossible to reach that plateau. Yeah, Every- and honestly, when I watched the movie, it was a lot. It was just like the movie felt like it was going... I'm a movie, I'm a movie, I got action all over me. It's music, like, get music, ready. Yeah, music, yeah. music. <laughs> That's what it felt like. And occasionally it was like, now we're taking a break, but it's still a movie, movie, movie. Can you get ready for the next action piece? It was like... Well, I don't have to watch it now. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'll understand when you see it, what I'm talking about. But uh, what I wanted to talk about is that Joss Whedon straight up quit Twitter. Oh, man. A, a day or the two. The world went crazy <laughs> over it, too. nuts. They cared so much over this one person deciding to do something that he has full choice to do. Right, people were like, he quit because of these critiques. He he came out and said, they're like, no, that's BS. I did not do it because of that, and he gave some good reasons. And I I really liked it from an artist standpoint. Mostly the, I wanted to go to my quiet place to work and you know be introverted and think about projects. And Twitter is the literal exact opposite of that, because you're sitting there, you're waiting for tweets to come in, you're sending tweets back out, you're supporting people, you're watching people rip you apart or give you support. You're like, it's so much. It's like sensory overload. Well, especially for a guy like him. I mean, well, you know, yeah. because you have uh, 100,000 Twitter followers. I don't really know how that is. I have a, a 500 or so, so my interaction is pretty small. But for guys like you... Fortunately, I get a lot of positive and yeah, very rare negative But it's stuff. just you have the opportunity of so many things coming at you because yeah. just so many eyeballs are there that... Yeah. I mean, honestly... Mostly these days honestly, I'm getting ads for, like, watches and stuff. <laughs> a lot oh, of spam oh, So it's Twitter. not that different than mine. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, my take was like, who cares? Yeah, I, I agree it's with one that. one dude. Like, and he's cool, and I like his stuff, but, like, he's on Twitter, he's not on Twitter, hasn't he quit before? Like, why does everyone care so much? Kanye quits, like, every other day, and people yeah. don't care. What's the big deal? Fine, yeah. he quit. He doesn't... Who cares even what his reasons were? Why is that such <laughs> a big deal? Like, Jesus. And also, he doesn't owe anyone anything. Well... Yeah. Maybe. He's made like half a billion dollars off of fans. I mean, it's he true. does I think people do owe their fans things when they then they've built like empires and like they've built generational wealth. Maybe off that of means it. he just owes them another show and not a snarky response to a tweet that you said. If he him. gives out his next show for free, then maybe. Yeah, you never know. He, no, well, he's I gonna mean, charge he's gonna charge for it or he's gonna get, you know, commercials and whatever. Anyway, I don't wanna get into this. My <laughs> whole point was like fine, he can quit Twitter, who cares? Right? Yeah. I don't understand what the big I'm, deal is. I'm telling you. And you know, I will say this, even though I have a bunch of followers on Twitter, I still get more tweets from Command Cast and people tweeting at Command Cast than I do on mine. So you guys are destroying the statistical war there. That is actually crazy. Every time you say that, I'm like, What? How's that possible? You have like one one hundredth the amount of followers whatever. <laughs> probably our, even our less. listeners are passionate. Yes. I like it. I yes. like it. My fans are, you know, they're fair weather fans. It's VGHS or bust. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That is the. I post pictures on Instagram, and I'd say 80 percent of the comments are, "Hey, one season four coming out." Oh man, that has to get old. <laughs> Maybe you got better quit Twitter. <laughs> I should just up and quit Twitter. Like too many. I'm tired fans. of people asking me that. <laughs> oh, Ooh. that would be the day. I have an end step. Yeah. Uh, normally I save it for the next episode, but I have usually two we we struggle to find. An yeah, but I have. T- uh, it's the movie Ex Machina. Oh, I'm applauding. That's applauding. That movie was great. How does applauding sound on microphones? It probably sounds bad. It probably just sounds. Yeah. You should, should got to do the golfing. Ooh. Ooh. Ah. A good shot by McElroy. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, you saw it also. Actually, you're the one that turned me on to it because you it's were great. like talking about how good it is. And it actually par- has a lot of parallels to Eli, the uh, short that, that uh, Josh directed on YouTube. Yeah, it does. Um, it, it tackles similar issues. It's also mm-hmm. sci-fi. Um, yeah, I really loved it. It's just one of those movies where you're so jealous you didn't make it. <laughs> and I don't. I mean that from like the place of very high respect because. Yeah. It's nothing about that movie takes any resource that I don't have. I mean, yeah, the effects on the robot, but you don't even need those for that movie to work. Most of that movie is literally like two people talking and it's riveting. Yeah. The dialogue, the setup. It's just about the performances. mm -hmm. And it is just great filmmaking uh, because they don't need all that crazy stuff to keep me involved and invested. I am. I was not bored at all. I, I was very interested. I was on the edge of my seat for parts of it, and it was so simple. I just have yeah. a tremendous amount of respect for that movie. If you haven't seen it... It's filmed in one house. Yeah. It's Did one location. Like it? she, she liked it a lot. Um, we actually went, and she had worked all day that day. All day that day. She's a nurse, so she'd worked a 12-hour shift starting oh at like 7 a.m., but I was like, I want to see this movie. I'm going to go. You don't have to. And she's like, I'll go. I thought it was 95% she would fall asleep during it, she was awake the whole time. That's how good it was. Yep. It is riveting. Yeah. And the acting is great. And and so simple. So simple, yeah. Yeah. So and plus, you, everyone wants to live in that house. Come on. The house is amazing. It's so cool. Yeah. And the, yeah. Oscar Isaac is so good in it. Yeah. <laughs> he He's fits amazing. That role perfectly. Yeah. He's so, going to be in Star Wars now, too. I mean, the guy is moving up. He was in the Coen Brothers movie, too. I he's feel like great. he's in everything now. I he turn around drive, and I'm like, oh, yeah. he's in that. <laughs> um, anyway, Ex Machina, I highly recommend it. Go check it out. It's it's a very, very cool film. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's clean this up. Let's clean up step. How many cards do you have in your hand, Josh? I know you've been drawing I, a lot because that Constructed Sphinx. Yeah, but then somebody made me discard them all. Oh, bummer. What, what Did they play like a bunch of Thoughtseizes? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they kept I, recurring their Thoughtseizes. I knew it. <laughs> um, yes, don't forget, the Masters of Modern podcast, our sister podcast, we talked a ton about modern. They're probably mad because we got a lot of it wrong. <laughs> so go over and get it, and they'll get it right on their show, I'm sure. So yeah. you can follow them at the MMCast on Twitter, and you can find that podcast on rocketchup.com right beside ours. Yep, yep, yep. And GP Vegas is coming up. We'll stay at, uh, pay attention, stay tuned to our Twitter feed at CommandCast, and you will find out all of the information about that when it gets available. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>
it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.